to Sparkler Podcast number 19. I am Rebecca Scoble, the audio editor. I'm Lillian Diaz-Prisbel, comics editor. I'm Lillian Centaur, managing editor and head of prose. And one of the fun things is that we're all in the same place for once. I know. So. Yeah, we're never in the same place. I'm, I'm on extended East Coast tour right now, so we actually get to record a podcast with all of us looking at each other. Yeah. <laughs> Rather it's super than weird. Like checking the comments on on Sparkler while we're talking or knitting frantically, <laughs> which is what I'm usually doing during podcasts. Yeah, I, I, we can't like quietly uh, check our email <laughs> right now. Uh, no, Scroll through Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one of the, the benefits of Sparkler being a digital company is our editors are kind of everywhere. We have people in Canada and people in the United States, and our creators are obviously global. But yeah, the downside is you don't get to look into people's eyes when you're discussing stupid things for a yeah. podcast. <laughs> but today we can, so we're all silently judging each other a little yeah. more than usual. And so today our topic is cartoons. When we got together, we all wanted to talk about, well, Voltron. <laughs> Let's just, it, it's Voltron. We're, Let's just be off. We're really into Voltron right, right Right now, okay. <laughs> Lillian really wanted to talk about Steven Universe as well. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's not the only thing that yeah. we're all really into, mm-hmm. but that's the newest thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's true that in a lot of the past podcasts, we've kind of brushed on, you know, obviously like anime and, and Western cartoons have come up repeatedly in a lot of the past topics, but we haven't really kind of attacked it as a topic itself and mm-hmm. how it influenced us as kids growing up on sort of Saturday morning cartoons and the evolution of cartoons in the West and, and then how they got kind of mixed with Japanese influence. Influences and even how a lot of Western cartoons were done in Japan. Think about yeah. like stuff in the 80s. Yeah, so I was, when we were kind of talking about this before we started recording, one of like the formative influences on my childhood was The Last Unicorn movie, which aside from being beautiful and kind of interestingly feminist and having just a lot of great things in it, was also animated by a whole bunch of people who would eventually go on to become Studio Ghibli. Even though it's this sort of Don Bluth 80s style to it, for the most part, there's a lot of interesting kind of anime crossover influence in that yeah and yeah that's that's something that has affected me to this day that sure. gave me like haunting nightmares i saw that when i was very young like five it's bizarre yeah it's a really <laughs> yeah. creepy movie it stands up pretty well i actually watched it with layla acker who's <laughs> like <laughs> one of the heads of viz <laughs> like yeah. last year and yeah it's still you know it's dated but i mean it was even dated when i was watching it in 1989 or whatever mm. but yeah it's just it's just a really interesting piece of work i wasn't allowed to watch commercial tv when I was a kid, so um, I watched a lot of PBS and then like supervised television with my parents. Like I watched a lot of Star <laughs> Trek, but uh, I did. I was allowed to watch pretty much whatever movies I wanted, and so we had a copy of The Secret of Nem as well. Speaking of, I think it was also Don Bluth. That also had a really big impact on me, kind of creatively in terms of telling stories about women, and in this particular case, about a little field mouse mother trying to just protect her family. <laughs> you know, that um, one gave me nightmares too. I, I, I like <laughs> freaky stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was an easily scared child, too, but... Uh, so the flip side is that I couldn't sit through the, the My Little Pony movie when I was a kid. Uh, so, like, there was something that happened at the beginning of that that scared me so badly we had to leave the theater. Oh. And, like, I don't even remember what it was. To be fair, I was, like, three. Yeah. But mm-hmm. still. So it could have been, like, somebody laughing too loud. Something. Yeah. But, yeah, but I was A-okay with Last Unicorn and, uh... Oh, really? oh and even, even Watership Down, which is, speaking of childhood oh. trauma, like, that <laughs> messed They're up. They're remaking it, aren't they? They are. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. And all that, the people, uh, they're warning them now, don't bring your children to Watership Down. I know yeah. it's about talking rabbits, but... But, yeah, but no. It's about <laughs> talking already rabbits already traumatized one generation. Yeah. Don't do yeah. it to the next. Yeah. yeah. That's my experience with cartoons as a kid. And then, of course, sort of the Disney stuff. So, like, we were all sort of coming of age and, like, before Disney got to its sort of new golden age, but, like, Fox and the Hound and uh, Rescuers Down Under... I really liked. Um, oh, the, the original Rescuers, I really original liked. Rescuers. That was another one that was really creepy. Oh, yeah, that one's The Black Cauldron is really creepy and weird. <laughs> uh, Aristocats. Yeah. Um, but a lot of those, I haven't seen those since I was a kid. So like, whereas... Black Cauldron is not good. Black Cauldron is my favorite novel of all time, so it's not right. totally fair. Because um, right. it's almost nothing like the novel and took out all the parts that made the novel interesting. Well, it's like the, the Ghibli version of uh, Tales of Earthsea. Where yeah. you're like, um, <laughs> no. This is interesting. And that was an even worse adaptation than uh, Howl's Moving Castle, which that at least was like pretty. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, oh, and that was a bad adaptation, but it was amazing. Kind of stood on its own. Yeah, yeah like, I, I actually really really love that they're the, the two different versions of Howl's Moving Castle and how different they are and yeah. how yeah. the British how, version the Japanese yeah like version. like the British yeah. children's novel version yeah. and the 
Ghibli, you know, Japanese win through hard work version. Right. And right. just how like the same story and, and just because it's it's so archetypal in both of those different genres. And right. it's the same story. And I just right. I find that so interesting. Because they were all like miserable and mean to each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. British children's novel version. <laughs> well, kind of. I don't know. They were pretty. It mean. was a lot more surly. Everyone was a little. <laughs> it's a little more surly. Yeah. I mean, I would say that like Howl's more of a sad sack in the British yes. version. <laughs> For sure. Um, especially because like then he goes to like the real world and you realize that he's like some random soccer bro from like the Midlands. He was and like living a, in like a like a row house. And, like, yeah, that shit was and so like, weird. What the? Yeah, like he was like a grad student from Wales or yeah, something. From yeah, from Wales. You're right. He was from Wales or something. Anyways, so yeah, so yeah. my exposure to Ninja Turtles, we were also talking about that. Oh, like Ninja Turtles. All right. Yeah. Ninja Turtles was what taught me how to be a nerd, and like, it was specifically like a geek. There was this very formative moment when I was visiting my cousin. And I had this cassette tape that was like a Ninja Turtles story. Mm. And I all I wanted to do was listen to this tape over and over again. And I tried to get my cousin to like do it with me. And eventually he's like, You really wanna want listen to that tape again? Like like it was it wasn't you even were judged. Yeah, I was being it was the first time I was judged for being too much of a nerd. <laughs> and this was like very kind of formative thing. But like the thing about the Ninja Turtles that was so really interesting was that I mean, first of all, it was definitely something that was influenced by Japan and Japanese culture, but a very different part than a lot of the other yeah. stuff we're talking about, you know, it's sort of taking some of like the pulpy things that had already been kind of bleeding into American culture or being, you know, translated or brought over and then sort of satirizing them, but then kind of buying into it and, yeah. you know. No, exactly, because I, the way I understood it, Ninja Turtles originally was making fun of Frank Miller's obsession with like samurai and stuff, um, <laughs> that they're like... Hey, it's a dark samurai story told by Western guys, only they're giant anthropomorphic turtles. And, <laughs> like, even though it was played kind of straight, it was not played straight. And then it was played straight, and then it wasn't. And, like, it kept, mm-hmm. couldn't really decide whether or not it was a parody, which is what makes Ninja Turtles so great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, like, yeah, but, it but also, works on all levels. <laughs> you know, like, like, it's one of these things that has been through so many formats yeah. and you never have to worry that much about the canon because it could just be whatever you want it to be. And I mean, mm. as somebody who never personally really got that into superhero comics, which also kind of do that, but mm. I feel like with Ninja Turtles, you just kind of take for granted that it's just going to be... Like, you can like some versions more than other versions, yeah. obviously, but, like, nothing is sacred, really. Right, whereas with <laughs> Western know? comics, there's a sense of, like, the canon is being a little bit more of a gatekeeper. So it's like you sort mm-hmm. of can do anything you want mm-hmm. to with it, but if you don't sort yeah. of have, like, your knowledge and bar... I, and I think that's what separates comics yeah. and cartoons. I think there's no pretension with cartoons, like, at all, even though they can be very complicated and... and I think there's there's no pretension with cartoons in a way that comics have, which is funny because there's a lot of overlap between going between comics yeah. and, and cartoons. But I mean, I cartoons think... are always going to have a bigger fan base for one mm. thing. So yeah. like whether it's just actual Disney movies or just stuff that's on TV, mm-hmm. like you're lucky if you've got a comic that sells above fifty thousand copies of mm-hmm. anything. Like that's bare minimum for yeah. what you'd get for and, and, your average cartoon series on TV. And I also think that so, sorry, we're, we're I also think sorry that we're we're uh, we're in a situation still where unless your cartoon is really specifically making it clear it's for adults, it's still considered for kids. Yeah. So obviously yeah. you're gonna look at like Archer and be all like, oh everybody's naked and swearing and there's blood everywhere. So clearly yeah. this is not for children. But, you know, I think about The Simpsons and mm-hmm. all of the parents who are, like, so angry and up in arms at their kids, like, watching that and caring about that mm-hmm. and being so upset that there were things in there for adults, kind of. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I get that you don't really want your kid emulating Bart Simpson, obviously. Yeah, but, but it was at also the same airing time. at, like, 8 p.m. on yeah. Fox. So it's, like, it's not like that was showing at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Yeah, so. like, like, but, like, not seeing beyond the fact that, like, right. okay, so clearly you don't want your, your kid to start, like, doing all these horrible things. Yeah. But there's more to it than that. Like, it's right, not, yeah. you know, this isn't just, like you know, the, the show to be a bad influence. There's, right. This is actually, yeah. like, satirical and funny on, like, a lot of different levels. Oh, God, Simpsons were so influential on, like, literally American <laughs> culture. Yeah. You know? Like, to the point where George Bush was like, screw the Simpsons. And the Simpsons <laughs> were like, well, screw you, Mr. President, and it turned into this whole thing. Like, literally turned into a whole thing. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, if you get the, the Simpsons DVD box sets now, and the commentary on those seasons are, oh, like, man, fascinating. super interesting. Mm, yeah. I would make an argument with, like, that's one of the things I think is really interesting about anime culture is that 
I don't know if it's quite the same way now. I, it probably still is, is. I feel like there's a lot of people who are anime fans who try and somehow separate that out from like other cartoon fandoms and yeah. as, as like somehow better or different. And I'm like, it is a little different, but like, <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I, think, I think part of that's because it's in another language initially yeah. doesn't automatically make it more sophisticated. I do think that part of that came more from when we were younger when... Well, first of all, I think in the last, like, ten years, the average cartoon, there has been this, like, real rise of sophistication and rise of things that are, you know, like Steven Universe, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, Avatar and Legend of Korra Mm -hmm. and, you know, Adventure Time and all these things that have more of either more of a narrative flow humor that is more accessible to a wider audience just all these things mm-hmm. that you know but i think back when we were younger the the idea that cartoons were for kids was more pervasive mm-hmm. and so if you're a teenager and you don't want to be looked down on like you're a child because yeah. you're you know a young woman of 15 years old right. who's like totally i don't like up. baby stuff i'm watching Fushigi yugi <laughs> and uh and Fushigi is not have, baby stuff. Yeah. There was a <laughs> oh, lot of sex God. and violence in well, that. Well, I just remember because I had the VHS the, that I had borrowed from uh, Leanne here. And my parents were all like, oh, what are you watching? And I was like, I have to, I have to. There, there was a part where they were like naked in the ice cube thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like frantically like, like rewinding. And then I got to the part where like, well, Nuriko died. And they were like having this soliloquy about how he was neither a man nor a woman. And my parents were like, what are you watching? And you're just crying. And I just like cry my yeah. eyes out like again. And I'm just like, <laughs> I can't show you the part with the nudity, but I can show you this. Uh. It's really sad i promise <laughs> but then there were things like um like gargoyles which i never really yeah. got into but definitely mm-hmm. was sort of our generation ish of like yeah maybe was, i think it was a little one. after i think is i feel mm-hmm. like it was a little after us and i feel like it was one of the things that really kind of well a that's very clearly influenced by anime and manga, yeah yeah uh like seriously but i think it was also kind of one of the first ones that bridged that gap between being like you know right. one yeah. adult cartoon versus yeah. i mean it's not like they didn't do a dark adult cartoons. i mean think of like the max and stuff like yeah yeah or even that kids cartoons wouldn't necessarily have that richness to it because like i had a talk with one of my friends a while back about the Gummy Bears series mm-hmm. on like Disney Afternoon. Like I was a little bit more of a Darkwing mm-hmm. Duck fan personally, mm-hmm. but um, she really liked Gummy Bears and she's like, there was this whole subplot about how there were ancient gummies and they were in this like, maybe not post-apocalyptic, but like there was a civilization that had existed previously that was gone now mm-hmm. and there were just these relics that they would find occasionally, Whoa. like the ancient gummies. And I was like, I completely missed that, but that's mm. fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like that's actually very similar to the whole Adventure Time thing about how it's post-apocalyptic right. and or how or that only like, kind of slides in sometimes. Yeah, or yeah. think about, like, everybody I know when they talk about Disney shows that really got them always bring up DuckTales and how, yeah. like, that had, like, it was really creepy. Like, they'd go yeah. to really creepy yeah. places to have these adventures and there was yeah. that really famous, I think it was either a movie or, like, two episodes with the golden touch that was like that everything that the bird touched turned yeah. gold. Yeah, oh that. man. That was like really horrifying cause it was like yeah. turning all the characters gold like the world was turning gold and like like it was just a horrifying cartoon yeah. in a lot of yeah. ways. But you're right that like Gargoyles is one of the early ones. It was like around the time of Batman the animated yeah. series, around yeah. the time of the like right X Men. Yeah, Batman and, and I think series. I think one of the one of the yeah. big things about that was that it was obviously dark. Like Gummy yeah. Bears had a dark thread to it because right. I remember that little bit of that. You know, right. I remember that that having a little of that like. You know, because I was obviously into fantasy novels and stuff like that, and so sure. I was always looking for something that had a little bit of a dark edge to it, and being right. kind of like, oh, there's there's a little bit more of a fantasy story going on here. Yeah, uh, I think some of it is that like that's also a show that had mostly adult characters. Mm-hmm. So I mean, even yeah. Ninja Turtles, like you've got April O'Neil who's a grown up, but like you know, <laughs> they themselves are literally teenagers. That's yeah. their title. But I think part oh. of it is also that like Gummy Bears looks like it's for kids, right? Where so you know. You see the dark things when you're looking looking into it more, whereas Gargoyles is like purple and noir all right, the time. Right, and brown. Yeah. <laughs> the whole color palette's dark. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it, it looks like something that's, you know, for grown ups and I'm doing right. air quotes because I'm thinking, you know, for grown ups means like, you know, fourteen. Right. We're all like, Yeah, I'm into this dark, cool thing. Yeah. And, see for know. me, even if, like when I was in high school though, I I barely had that pretension because like my other favorite movie at the time was a goofy movie, which I saw with my <laughs> dad in the theater and it was amazing like i love the goofy movie but i feel like i've heard that i, I never actually saw that yeah. one but oh i've, I've God, heard people brilliant. talk about that as something that 
you know, actually was really well written and really, yeah. like, you know, surprisingly yeah, emotionally. Like. There, there's <laughs> definitely, it's another sort of touchstone for people probably in their, like, late 20s to mid 30s who mm-hmm. saw that it kind of, I was on the old side to see it at the time, but, like, formative age. I read a really great analysis of it recently that it was, like, a great movie for a black nerd to watch and how, like, there's a lot of themes in it that are really resonant with, like, African-American culture in this funny way yeah. of, like, because, I mean, they're all sort of, you know, anthropomorphized people, so they're not yeah. super racial. Yeah. Um, but, like, the way that Max kind of fits in with, like, his high school classmates and, like, kind of his sort of identity politics and, like, there was, oh, it was this great article. Yeah, I remember that. I can sing the song to Matt if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, because you brought up Ninja Turtles, which I'm still a gigantic Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. fangirl, as anybody Yeah, knows let's just me. say, like, two weeks ago, we went to see the, the see new the uh, new movie with one of our oldest friends. Yeah. And it was a really good time. It was a really good. The new one is good. There's Krang in it. Krang. Yeah. Krang yeah, as long as movie. the turtles love each other. Well, yeah. This is the thing. No, but that's very true. Because, like, when I was a kid, I was really into Ninja Turtles. There was a point where, like you said, you had, like, a realization moment where you're, like, you're too obsessed or somebody's yeah. making fun of you. And for me, like, it had to do with their relationship as brothers, which I felt had a really different dynamic from a lot of the other stuff I'd seen seen before. Mm -hmm. I was raised with three other brothers, um, and we had a very different dynamic from my friends who had, like, one or two Mm. siblings. When there are four of you, what happens is you end up, like, pairing off Mm. or, like... You know, you have kind of this bigger group thing. You all have to kind of look out for each other and stuff, but you're like a team, Mm. sort of, um, as opposed to like a partnership. And the way that the infighting was and stuff, it was just like there was something really raw about their their family dynamic that I didn't see in other shows where you would Mm -hmm. have like two siblings or friends or whatever Mm. that like they would fight really bad and then they'd like freak out if somebody got hurt. And, like, you know what I mean? It didn't mm-hmm. feel Disney to me. It felt, mm-hmm. like, real. Like, that you, like, hate your brother until he falls down the stairs. And then you're, like, you know, you have like, a complete meltdown. Because what are you going to do about your, you know, your poor brother and stuff? And that was also something that, that translated to the movies really well. And that's also, I think, yeah. one of the reasons why almost all versions of Ninja Turtles have been good. Because mm-hmm. they maintain their dynamic. Because their lives are really terrible. Like, mm-hmm. they love humans, but humans will never accept them. And they, they live in a fucking sewer and like <laughs> but like so all they have is kind of each other and like that level of sophistication was mild compared to a lot of the stuff that you're talking about it was mm. way more sophisticated than Ninja Turtles which was never that sophisticated oh yeah, yeah. but th- there was that th- the family dynamic of that I thought was a lot more adult and realistic and and honestly more teenagery. it didn't mm. feel like the way kids talk to each mm-hmm. other it was more like the way teenagers fight and stuff mm-hmm so all these, like, we keep bringing up shows that were sort of in the 80s that were influential and, and 80s and 90s. Um, and now, like, the new generation of cartoons that are mm-hmm. basically animated and directed and written by people our age, sort of, like, in their 30s, yeah. who were raised on this stuff and how, how that changed. Between that and sort of Japan's influence... Um, yeah, so uh, another thing we were talking about before we turned the mic on was that, and I think we probably have talked about this in podcasts previously, is that, you know, I worked at Tokyo Pop from 2004 to... 2011 and when we started out there it was very much with the intent to try and find western creators to do work in the manga style and right out the gate we had some incredibly talented people who had gotten into anime and manga when they were in high school for the most part and i was convinced that five to ten years down the line when we had the kids who were growing up on pokemon like really from kindergarten rather than from eighth grade Mm. um and have kind of integrated that style that that's when we were really going to get kind of like a Western manga revolution. Mm-hmm. And that never really played out the way that I kind of anticipated it at the time for a variety of reasons, including the downfall of Tokyo Pop. But it's been integrated into, I think, the animation industry in a particularly interesting way. And yeah. <laughs> there's this new generation of, you know, storyboard artists and writers and, and creators coming into that who have that integration and it's not a mimicry it's a real sort of homage to their sort of literally childhood influences Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's super fascinating and you know the thing that I'm particularly obsessed with at the moment is Steven Universe Um, I never (laughs) you and the internet yeah (laughs) the whole internet internet. (laughs) I never really got that into Adventure Time like I've watched it and I like it but but Mm -hmm. Steven Universe I just think it consistently surprises me it's so incredibly feminist it's so incredibly queer and really interesting ways it's feminized which is also really interesting even though it has a male protagonist like he's raised in such kind of this positive all-encompassing female environment yeah it's just it's really neat and then there's just anime references up the wazoo like everything from (laughs) 
Utena too. There was like a really big DBZ one recently, which I didn't recognize because I never watched DBZ. But like the internet, of course, was like, here's a little <laughs> gift by gift comparison. I was like, oh my god, that I think is just really incredible is, is people taking inspiration from the stuff from their childhood and then using it to do something so fresh and different. Yeah, and a lot of it is Cartoon Network. They, they just kind of, of, yeah. of the, the major cartoons of this new kind of hybrid style, most of them are Cartoon Network shows, like because you mentioned Adventure right. Time. And I happen, I'm a big fan of, it, of regular show. Oh, God. <laughs> I love regular show. Yeah, which is like the you polar and the opposite. You I babysat for. <laughs> it's not for 10-year-olds at all. Yeah. It's, it's basically like if Kevin Smith made a cartoon. Like, it's which he did, technically. But Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> the Clark's animated series. Back in the day. Yeah. That was actually really great, yeah. too. Well, well, like six episodes of it. Six yeah. episodes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, because for a while, MTV was doing really interesting animation. They did yeah. Daria yeah, and Clone Daria. High. Daria. Clone High is still, like, yeah. the best show ever done. Yeah. Except it was, like, 13 episodes. No one saw it. You couldn't even get the DVDs in America for a while. You had to import it from Canada. Yeah. yeah. All our Canadian friends. We, we, we had a snowflake day party once or twice. Yeah, and, we uh, did. You know. <laughs> but what's got interesting some spices. is, you know, those guys, <laughs> what they ended up doing is they did the Lego movie and right. the, the Clone High guys. And I think they also did 21 Jump Street and 22 yeah, Jump Street. They so they ended up doing very well. 21 Jump they... Street's a masterpiece. Oh my God. It's a comedic masterpiece. Yeah. With I'm Korean so glad they kept getting work because like, you know, Clone High, no one knows what that is, right. but you should look up Clone High and get those DVDs because they are amazing. And I think it was also, they were being referenced at the same time that, did you guys ever see Drawn Together? The oh, animated yeah. reality show, which yeah. I happen to really like because I'm a terrible person because it's a show yeah. for terrible people. <laughs> um, you know, we talk about sort of like, was that an MTV show? Was that an MTV well, show? I remember. Or was it, I want to say it was like a Hulu show or something. I think it was, this was, it was before, before Hulu. Hulu. Was it? Drawn yeah, Together okay. was maybe like six, seven. Maybe they did some sort of like weird, ago. similar concept on Yeah, Hulu, it was like the, but... the, the stuff that was really supposed to be adult animation, because I think right. the Max might have been on MTV as well. And yeah. that's another mm-hmm. kind of like, all, that was right yeah. when Image was Aeon just Flux. starting. And uh, Flux, yeah. yeah. The, the ones that were like, hey, look how dark and creepy and weird we can be, which is yeah. which is great. I love all those shows, but yeah. different from the way Adventure Time and, and Steven Universe and yeah. um, Avatar and Korra uh, yeah. and now Voltron, which I'm pretty sure Voltron is by the Avatar Korra guys. It's at least partly. It's not yeah. by both of them. I think it's by one of them. Mm. So. Well, it's for DreamWorks, too. So it's, it's for like, DreamWorks and you know. Netflix. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think, so like you're talking about stuff like Aeon Flux and kind of like American adult cartoons is that definitely one of the things that drew me to anime when I was getting into it in high school um, with Sailor Moon and then Gundam Wing was the fact that it could have dark elements to it and dark themes and deal with really serious topics without being cruel or sarcastic. Yeah, And that's something that put me off of, I think a lot of American media in general Mm. Um, but I think particularly kind of like the quote-unquote adult cartoons is that they're sort of like crudeness for shock value's sake. Yeah. Um, and often they are so episodic. I, mean, I, I feel differently about Daria because that was definitely <laughs> something I loved. Daria um, was super I show actually, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I got, yeah, I got the Daria box out a couple years ago, and I watch it pretty regularly. I like, <laughs> I like it a lot better now than I did when I was a teenager. I, when I was a teenager, I found it kind of obnoxious, I guess, but I was an adult. Well, like, just everybody told me I was Daria when I was a teenager. Oh, oh no. Which I was fine with. I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> Does that mean I can date Trent? Because I would totally date Trent. <laughs> Even Daria so. doesn't get to date Trent. I know. And they had that whole episode about how it's a really bad idea. Yeah. yeah. But I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, you and, you and a lot of the internet. Choices. <laughs> yeah. There, there was a... Do you ever do you ever watch the Nostalgia Chick? No. She did this really great episode about all everyone's uh, favorite animated crushes, specifically. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Everyone should look that up. We should put a link on it because it's well, amazing. And, and Trent is up there. there. Trent yeah. is definitely up there. My first was definitely Justin, the rat from. Uh, Secret of Nim. Ah, he was definitely my first cartoon crush at like age four. A lot so. of us had our first crushes on anthropomorphic animals. Yeah. Well, that's all you're watching at that age. Yeah. So it's like true. You know, I remember no. there was a Care Bear that made me feel funny, but <laughs> <laughs> was it Brightheart Raccoon? Yeah. No, it was a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having this conversation. Like, bright, yeah. I think whatever he was, he was purple or something. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. He you know was, what? And he it was, was the one who had like the little smirk because he was like sly. Did he have a crooked smile? Yeah, exactly. Oh, like way before it. all of us yeah. was like normal. No, you know what? It was also, um, I think Simon of 
the shit. Maybe it was all the nerd animals. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. But like, See, I was like Donatello, the best out of the Ninja Turtles. Donatello was, was the, the best Ninja. Okay, yeah. Donatello is the best Ninja Turtle. I'm just laying it out there. <laughs> all right. I know how you feel that, Donatello. <laughs> Every time I see the Turtle, she's like, okay, I want everybody, before we go into the theater, like, I'm announcing a theater. No one can say any turtle is better than Donatello, right? It's like, you're so, like, aggressive about this. <laughs> like, Donatello is the well, best Turtle. Well, which true. one's your favorite? Raphael has always been my oh, favorite. He's God. a very passionate guy. Okay. I mean, I liked him when I was little because... He was like the sarcastic one, and I thought yeah. he was funny. But I got older, and I love that he's like he's like such a mess, and like all the new <laughs> stuff. He's just like, <laughs> like yeah. he feels so strongly, and I find that so charming. <laughs> I mean, I can understand why everybody like because it's true. Like objectively, Donatello is probably the best, especially if you're looking at sort of like the eighties. You don't need to be objective version. about this. <laughs> you're allowed you to have a lot of Ninja Turtle you like. I think the you best. have to be very objective about your cartoon crushes, or else why are we having this conversation? Yeah. Well, I know that honestly, I've even had. Her heard boys say, not necessarily the anthropomorphic, because again, I think that's a function of all the shows you're watching, they're anthropomorphic, yeah, yeah. and you like a character, but they were saying, like, April O'Neil, and, um... Yeah, I mean, April O'Neil, she was, like, you know, she was drawn to... She was fairly sexualized yeah, for yeah. what she oh. was, you yeah, know? She's no Jessica Rabbit, but, like... But, I mean, yeah, she's still sort of um, drawn to those proportions, sure. you know? She looks she pretty hot in that little, like, weird jumpsuit, and, like, yeah. There's definitely, in Pocahontas, the Christian Bale, the red-headed sailor. Oh, God! Yeah. yeah. Christian Bale plays a redheaded sailor and in Pocahontas. Oh yeah. God! Like you have feelings about this cartoon? Yeah, for the sure. The one who's like the angsty, like you know, he's younger he than everyone else. Dies in the beginning. He, yeah, he, like, oh, I vaguely remember that. That's Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and God. like I remember like the norms in my school being all like that, that was a hot cartoon, cartoon sailor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. Like the popular girls were just like, what the that redheaded sailor? <laughs> like in Pocahontas, like wow. really weirdly handsome. You should look it up. I should. <laughs> it's a good I, time. Yeah, I think I segued like straight from I don't even know like Aladdin to Jim from Treasure Planet so oh, who was right. totally like the floppy haired like late 90s <laughs> yeah he was so 90s <laughs> yeah. wasn't he um, what's his name Joseph Gordon-Levitt well yeah, him so. and stuff too yeah. yeah but anyway so like what I like about kind of the the sort of new cartoon renaissance in America is that it has it captures that kind of more serious issues that are coming up in anime with that I don't want to say wholesomeness but like that that positivity and kind mm. of like the emotional reinforcement well, very earnest like, you know earnest that, that's yeah. what I, I always liked manga as well that yeah. stuff out of japan like earnestness wasn't shown to be a bad thing it right or it wasn't shown to be a kitty thing either, right that or was... something that's like a product of being naive yeah mm-hmm. so like even if you're kind of challenging that which gets ha- should happen mm-hmm. um there's still kind of that end resolution of like things are gonna get better so voltron <laughs> yeah well we th- which kind of started this whole conversation mm-hmm. yeah well because if people are not Aware, which means you haven't been on the internet the last two weeks. Um, basically, the 80s cartoon Voltron was remade by DreamWorks and one or more of the Avatar staff. Yeah. For Netflix, they just put out like 11 episodes. And the first one is long. It's like an hour, hour and a half movie. And it's so good. And like <laughs> fandom exploded immediately overnight. And mm-hmm. um, like it's so great. It, it's exactly why I liked Avatar and, and, and Adventure Time and all these things. Because it's just like, oh, this is such an East-West hybrid. I'm so happy. It's like yeah. the perfect mm-hmm. East-West hybrid it's everything that i want it to be where it has all those great themes and the foundation of anime and it's got like a really western sense of humor like it's always like the rating is really great yeah voice acting is really great you know really good one-liners the The boys are great the animation's great the boys are super slashy but they're also like (laughs) not cheesy slashy like they're obviously like Clearly, they knew what they were doing, they put them together, but it's also, like, not cheap in any way, so you have to go with a non-slash route, and it's totally fine, especially since, I mean, I just, there's no other, like, have you noticed in that show that the boys are so quick to go for any alien that looks like it might have boobs? It's like, desperation. (laughs) They're like, I really don't want to sleep with these guys, but, like, we're a long way from home, and you look like you might be, like, a mammalian species, so I'm hoping that, like, you have genitals that kind of work with mine. (laughs) But I'm hoping season two, they're like, what am I doing? Am I really going to have sex with this rock person? Like, <laughs> well, no, because it's a pure, innocent cartoon where no one's having any sex. I don't know, man. Thank you, internet. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure it's going to hold up. Because I'm not sure it's really for kids. It's, it's, it's definitely wholesome now, but there's a lot of them being brutally beaten. Well, yeah, but they're, they're brutally beaten in like a sanitized way. They like get zapped and scream, but they don't. There's no blood. There's a couple of times when I I don't know why I keep this keeps coming into my head, but they really should have executed one or two of those like (laughs) rebelling aliens 
And they didn't. They just, like, tied them up so that they could get rescued. You know, like... Yeah. Or get tortured for a while on screen. So they have, like, the main character is having PTSD flashbacks throughout, like, the entire series. He, like, has rage blackouts or whatever. And for some reason, he just keeps being mercilessly beaten. If if he's not on screen, you can hear him over a microphone screaming. <laughs> it just, it got to the point where it's, like, felt a little bit sadistic. And then I went on the internet and mm. everybody wanted to have sex with him. <laughs> Uh, this is obviously Shiro, the lead. That um, it's like he's clearly kind of like the vulnerable leader. And mm. my theory, as I already told these two girls, is that I think everyone wants to have sex with him because he's the only one with an adult male anatomy. Everybody's kind of built like preteen. He's <laughs> not like also okay. Sad daddy. Yeah, like, he's, yeah, he's really like the sad. In daddy my archetype. fandoms, yeah. this is a thing. You yeah. know. Yeah. It, it's yeah. It's a great show. We we might eventually do a podcast solely about Voltron. If I think they need to have some more episodes before we can do that. But. That needs season two. Yeah. Because yeah. I talk about Voltron for a while. All I have is fic prompts in like my head and how great it is. Cause yeah, it, what, what is it? Uh, Lance? I just, it? I want Lance to be a mid-level manager at a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> like, I if that show know. Voltron became season two, I'd be totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> no other characters, no adventures, no space, no robots. Just well, like him put in the, the other, window. You know, if you put in the other characters... As sure. obnoxious customers and, yeah. or and or coworkers, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you need your obnoxious coworkers at yeah. the McDonald's as well. No, if Shiro is the manager, but he's out of town, and now mm. everything is falling on the assistant manager, and it's a disaster. I mean, it's not unlike free, like the, the anime, <laughs> in that I was watching it, and during Voltron, I blanked out for half an episode because all I was thinking of was this fanfic where. Lance and Keith decide to find out who can get out of alien handcuffs first. And for some reason, like, <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking about it. And the episode ended. I'm like, wait, what happened? Rebecca, what happened? <laughs> All I could think of is, like, they're having sex. <laughs> I'm sorry. And this is, like, episode three. <laughs> why haven't you written this fic yet? It's yeah, Ramadan. Please. That's why. Oh. <laughs> That's the only reason I haven't written it yet. Anyway, because it's, it's sort of... Un- uh, not unlike free, it, there's so many options there. You go in there, you're like, oh my god, Phantom's gonna have a field day, and it yeah, did. I mean, the show came out two weeks ago, and there's so much stuff. God, not even I already. Think. I mean, free was more constructed around the exact mm-hmm. fan fandom items that would come out. Yeah, like, okay, they had right. the AU that was carefully constructed. To, yeah. yeah, to be. Fandom, this like, one just yeah, had all of the, the character <laughs> dynamics to make fandom, but the, the possibilities are endless. As opposed to free, where it's like, okay, go write the Arabian Nights AU that was an ending theme. Yeah. Oh, all of them are stuck in this cold, abandoned house in yeah. swimsuits. Notice on how they Murder keep Island. getting into like sort of like sexually suggestive situations, and then we fade to black. Yeah, like when they had to share a bed. Yeah, that's like, just, I mean, it was just like, okay, go write that fanfic now. As opposed to Voltron, where they've just been stuck in outer space. And or in robot lions for a while, but yeah, every what happens every in the cockpit stays in the cockpit. <laughs> right. Every time I talk about lions, I get thrown out of it. Yeah, I mean, it I, is still I love it, but like the lions thing is just what? lions is kind of a lions. funny word too. Uh, yeah, that's so, the like, thing. I've like, to, like I've never watched the I never watched the original. No, I've certainly never I. watched it in Japanese. But I was like, what did they call them in Japanese? Did they call them like Dion the whole time, or were they like Shishi or? I don't know. The way that the original Voltron was localized is a really funny story that they licensed the wrong show. If you read on Wikipedia... It's just one of those things like Macross where it got turned into... Something else, Robotech and whatever. Yeah. By mashing it up with like three different other shows. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like Voltron was... Either either that happened as well with Voltron or it was like they just got the wrong show and they're like, that's fine. Right. So I don't really know. (laughs) I I mean, we can look it up, but I also think that a lot of... But it also doesn't matter. In the original (laughs) version of Voltron, I think... Wasn't she Sven, and he had like a crazy Swedish accent, and like the original Voltron is really wild. And, oh, I was gonna be like in English or Japanese, because like no in English, English for sure, <laughs> for sure. Wow, what's, what's really interesting? Yeah. yeah, what's really interesting now is watching Voltron and thinking about how influential it was when it came out uh-huh. to the West. Yeah, like did it inspire Transformers? What came first? They were kind of like contemporaries. Well, I think Transformers was also another Japanese import, at least partly. Was it? Yeah, or like I think that like Mattel was making these... Oh man, I actually heard a whole thing about this recently, and I'm not the, the right kind of nerd to be able to tell the story properly. Mm. Um, but it was either like they had the toy car line that Mattel was importing and then designed the series to go with it, or like vice versa. Oh, there yeah. was some like... It was definitely mm. part of a cross-cultural exchange between right. Japan and Mattel. But uh, what I was thinking is that like... Uh, 
I mean, obviously this is kind of a, a new sort of particularly big step that's sort of the culmination of Avatar and, and uh, other similar things. But like, do you remember IGPX that came out in like 2006, maybe? And it was like a studio IG slash like, I don't remember. It, was a, it might have been a French company plus an American company that, again, was like very much trying to do like Western anime. Hmm. Um, and it had sort of rollerblading robots a la Code Geass, except without hmm. all of that shit. <laughs> that, that's different nonsense. from Molly Star Racer? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And it didn't really go anywhere, because like, I think it was it was a good idea and it was well executed, but sort of just didn't have that zing to it. Yeah. Um, but the second I saw the Voltron, I was like, oh man, that's really interesting that like either we're just better at it now, or the fandom has actually changed enough that it's accepting of this in a way that it wasn't 10 years ago mm. when Mostly, it was probably both probably, probably both. both yeah the answer is both yeah because <laughs> yeah, molly star racer which i think it became oban star racer, oban star yeah. racer yeah um but that was french that was a pretty good show sure. yeah, that, yeah. That, that was the frenchest thing <laughs> Sorry, it was, was super french, french but also when they did the original promotional video it was to like a j-pop song yeah. that they yeah. oh yeah but it was very true cool, like a like a you know homage what's but, like the, that's interesting too is that like i, I think, think the, the culture for that in uh europe is different from the culture for that in the united states yeah. as well because like europe has what is it wish and mm-hmm. like that and then they've got like a couple of other very like anime influenced looking cartoons and the the magical ladybug thing that people yeah. are really into now yeah so like that's kind of happened differently on the other side of the atlantic than... well when i lived in syria i was really interested to see which cartoons made it to tv in arabic right um especially since you have like a saudi arabian station where like even bugs bunny couldn't kiss right. elmer fudd as a joke they'd have to cut that part but because it was considered like immoral <laughs> you can't have kissing on tv the anime that ended up on Arabic TV. Well, first of all, Ninja Turtles was in Arabic. Um, and like Mega Man was in Arabic. But it was like Cyborg 009 was on TV. Nice. Um, and I think like Baby and Me, which is like one of my favorite anime slash manga right. ever. That that was dubbed in Arabic. They were getting some of the, the less romantic-y ones. Sure. But they were also like classic, some of these like classic, weird, old, like... That's interesting about Cyborg, like, 009. Yeah. yeah. Like the new version, the the, or the, the new anime that came okay. out like 10 years ago. Okay. There was also, I think, Hajime, was it not Hajime no Ippo? What's the one about the soccer player? The, no, that's, that's, the, that's uh, the boxing one, sorry. With Daisuke, there's like a really long... Is that where he does Starlight Kick? Is that the one you're thinking of? Maybe. Because, like, my, my sister-in-law is from Morocco, and she found yeah. out I worked with Japanese anime, and she's like, oh, there were these two shows I really loved, and one of them was on a, a soccer yeah. anime. And the other, I think, was Legend of the Galactic Heroes? Yeah. Yeah, like, talk about, like, classic, yeah. giant, like, space epics and stuff. Yeah. So well, I just love how Saint Seiya has this huge fandom in Latin America. Like, <laughs> yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable, and it just never caught on here except with like three people. It came so. over way too late. Was mm-hmm. part of it that yeah. like it is eighties tastic, and <laughs> well, it's just not that good. Well, well it's okay. not that good. I'm getting yelled at on the internet, but no, it's not. Um, <laughs> it, you know what? It was archetypal, so it, it was, was important. But yeah. when you look at it after you've seen all the other like. Yeah people who who perfected it which is what happened right. you got all right. the stuff that stuff came out here first right and then here's this fucking clunker of us yeah. of a shonen tournament series yeah even though it's it's radtastic as shannon <laughs> garrity calls it it's not for most people it's well, just that's too a, silly well, so going back to another thing we're talking about it's like that's one of the things i find really fascinating about sailor moon is that mm. it really shouldn't stand up as well as it does because mm. like there's other things that have subsequently kind of told that story better or like told it in different way i mean Actually, I think the Sailor Moon manga is beautiful, but it's not actually a very good manga. Um, I agree with it that. It has great <laughs> ideas in it that are just not... It's just... It kind of happens too fast. Yeah. For, even though it's 18 volumes long, it's like the story's too rushed for it to have as much yeah, it, impact as it should. It's kind um, of stream of consciousness, the way that she writes. That like, too. It almost feels like an epic poem than it feels like a manga. That's actually a really good point. But anyway, so like, maybe that's... Well, maybe that is what is so enduring. So... And, like, I love the animated series, but, like, that's kind of a mess, too, in some way. Because they, like, have billion filler episodes. Mm. <laughs> Not to mention, like, the weirdo American dub that they did, which I love. Oh, I love, like, but yeah. Um, but it's art definitely not good by any sort of modern standard of anime translation <laughs> but uh yeah but i mean it was fascinating when crystal came out that not only did that become just as popular but like all of these anime fans came out of the woodwork who like i wouldn't have thought had been exposed they were like 
five to seven years too young to have been watching it kind of when we were watching it. Mm. Although maybe they're actually the target audience rather than being high schoolers watching Sailor shows Moon, for yeah. fourth graders. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find that really interesting and kind of heartening that that's had such a long and illustrious lifespan. Sailor Moon so. was really important in the West specifically. Um, it became kind of the gateway anime for a lot of people and was sort of the gateway to a lot of geekdom for a lot of women and queer kids. But, like, the thing is that, unlike a lot of other things, like, it just wasn't available in the United States for so long. It's like, it was available yeah, when true. we were sort of, of in high school yeah. and early college, and then it went out of print for, like, a decade and a half. Yeah, Not a Okay, time. a decade. A decade. <laughs> um, and so, like, there should be this whole segment of the population that just weren't exposed to it because they just didn't have access to it. Yeah. And, like, it's before streaming really came out, and even so, it's like, nobody's going to bit torrent 200 episodes of Sailor Moon. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they did, but... I'm not even sure I did, and I was... Yeah. Like... <laughs> So that's what I find so interesting about it is that it should have kind of disappeared into obscurity to some extent just for access reasons. Yeah. Um, and it didn't. Um, yeah, one of those, the true classics that really yeah. has staying power. Yeah. Again, brings back to Voltron. It's like, I think that even like some of these ones that were really big when they came out over here and were really mm -hmm. important when they return and there's like a reboot or whatever brings out all the old people out of the woodwork. And then there were people who didn't see it the first time around, yeah. but they know its influences. Right. And that's why a real reboot is the best way to bring it back right because like you said the problem the part of the problem with saint Seiya is you're bringing back the original and right. it's like the original is a mess just like the original right. voltron is like what the hell is this and right. the original sailor moon is a delightful <laughs> it's, it's amazing chaos. it's a mess <laughs> yeah for sure uh, even though you know sailor moon crystal was actually quite bad um i heard it got better it's, it's getting like better three, I, yeah. I kind of skipped the second season but i've been enjoying supers okay. so or sailor moon s i guess it is supers is pegasus right um, yeah so, you know, it, and it's fun. It, it's funny to see that happen, like you said, with this lost generation. And yeah. it's almost like they, I think there are some people who know what the influence is, like heard about it, read about it on Wikipedia because they yeah. were told by older people how yeah. important it was. Uh, and then the reboot comes back, but it's kind of tailored to their generations. So it's the best way. And I, mean, I love reboots yeah. so much. I mean, I'm just, I'm an adaptation person. I always like to see a remix of something. Yeah. Like, let's do it again. The original was great, but let's do it again. Let's see what was good about the original. Bring that out and let's take out the bad stuff and let's add something new. And, yeah. Um, there's nothing better than a good reboot. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm looking to make another sort of sweeping generalization about fandom. Because, like, obviously mm. the other topical reboot right now is the Ghostbusters reboot that they're yes. doing. Yes. Which obviously has such horrible vitriol on the internet. Yeah. Um, probably just for sheerly sexist reasons. But, yeah. but I think it's interesting that some fandoms are more accepting to the idea of a reboot than others and a remix. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, why that might be. So. Well, I do think with Ghostbusters, if there had been a reboot with four male characters, people would be treating it very, very differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that one is a pretty clearly misogynist but but your but that, that your point still stands mm -hmm, that yeah. there are the people like because i would say of all the movies that were going to be remade that were important culturally but were bad ghostbusters is like fucking top of that <laughs> those movies are like you watch them now you're like what yeah. like i like them because they represent what was good about the 80s you could make a movie out of anything and people would watch it if, yeah if you could convince them that like hey you should try it my case in point always for this being Bill and Ted, which are like the greatest <laughs> movies ever made. See, yeah. those actually did it really well. Yeah. But can you imagine like the round table of suits trying to greenlight Bill and Ted? Yeah. But they're like these guys and they go in a telephone booth. They go back in time and they find like Genghis Khan and they bring him to high school. It's hilarious. <laughs> also, here are these two actors no one's ever heard of. Plus yeah. George Carlin, I guess. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, here's millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, they probably made that for like a buck fifty. I mean, yeah, yeah it's probably pretty but... cheap. And this weird guy, Keanu Reeves, I don't know, put him in front. Like, yeah. you know, he's, he's got pretty. 90s hair. Yeah. yeah. Or not 80. I mean, at that point, he, had, he was like, a, his hair game was like ahead of its time. Because yeah. he had 90s hair in the yeah. 80s. And then he hasn't aged since then. That's what's so great about yeah. Keanu. He still looks like he's 25. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, Ghostbusters, the originals, are not good films. Yeah. So when they have to bring back the fact that anyone would want to stick to canon, it's like, no, what are you talking about? Yeah. Canon is bad. Mm -hmm. It's like the shows where even the people who are fans of the show don't like the show. That's what I found with Kuroko no Basket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fans are like, I'm huge in that fandom. Uh, don't worry about it, though. It's bad. Like, yeah. the original. Well, I mean, they, they even know, you always it. sort of say that, like, the things that get a big, robust fandom are the things that are not perfect. Because yeah. there's room in them for the fans. Uh, to, yeah, remix it. Yeah, spin it off. 
you know, come up with some weird other idea, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, think because something that's too perfect, there's no room for that. Right. Yeah. Or are we going to talk about that when we get to our Homestuck conversation? <laughs> oh, so, God. Yeah. Um, also 80s pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> But and its relatability to fifteen-year-olds now, um, but it which apparently of, is much stronger than I thought it was. So go figure. But um, that comes back again to sort of as we're discussing cartoons that yeah. I think I think people are more willing to reboot a cartoon because of that base level. Maybe it had to be more kid-friendly. Maybe the audience was just so big yeah. that you can reboot it and it can be accepted more. There, there's not as much of the the cultural gatekeepers like canon is really important because like really is like frozen canon gonna be that important like 10 years down the line yeah i mean like when, people when, really into disney canon is like odd i mean there are people who are there but everybody's always mixing the genders of like the disney princesses at drawn as a series of rocks or like, <laughs> like i like the ones where it's gender swapped and then they all make out with each other so. yeah <laughs> that's pretty great yeah no it's true though that like you know, it's hard to consider canon sacred when it was something that was invented by a toy company and was like 80% filler episodes. Because I mean, and I don't want to like insult things that were invented by a toy company and 80% filler episodes because clearly... Ninja Turtles. I mean, that's not the Ninja and we Turtles got, story, but you know, like we got Jem out of Jem, which yeah, is Jem and Aman Shira. Yeah, I was a big Shira fan. Jem is so much better now. I have to tell everybody I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I legitimately mean this. Go find the Jem DVDs and buy them and watch. They them. are so much fun. They make no sense. They're like art pieces of like '80s club kids on like heavy. Heavy drugs. And every episode had like three separate music videos of like three unique songs. Occasionally I think they overlapped them, but they mostly wrote three mm-hmm. new songs. And it was all written by like one lady in a Casio keyboard. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. and you watch it, you're like, this is insane. Like, yeah. Okay, so the Misfits. Yeah, the rival put, band. Yeah, the rival band. They will put a bomb in the orphanage with all the orphans in it and literally try to kill them all. And then they will get on their motorcycle-shaped like guitars, drive up the stairs to the <laughs> recording studio, and be all like, "What? Are, how are we gonna beat Jem this time?" And, and then just a music like, video starts. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then a music video starts about how evil they are and how being evil is great. But then, like as they're singing, the show becomes a music video, and they get yeah. like twenty feet tall, and they're like yeah. eating Jem, and it's like, like <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So it's like Attack on Titan, except like filtered through big hair and spandex. It has its moments where it's very Attack yeah. on Titan-esque, yes. <laughs> yes. A tight, Attack on Titan-esque, for sure. 80s body horror. Yeah, but it's just like this, it's a complete trip, and it's genius, and you can't remake it, first of all. Don't remake it. Well, they, they keep trying to remake it, and the way that other things are remade where you, like, sand off the rough 80s edges and get the core. Well, but the core isn't well, that's good. I, I need to actually the, read more of, like, the gem comics that they're doing. Those, those are actually yeah, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, amazing. Because yeah. it captures how cracktastic it was. Yeah, that's the so. thing. You, you can't... If you the, if you lose, like, the glam rock and the crazy edge, yeah. there's nothing left. Well, no, yeah. I, I feel like it can be... I, I probably didn't articulate this well. I don't want them to do another cartoon that they're trying to do like an updated version of what they did. That should stay where it is. It is a remnant of the 80s. What they need is like a totally new take on it that's going for a totally different thing. And that's kind of what the Gem uh, comic is, honestly. Which is pretty good where it's like, oh, let's bring it all down. Let's just have it be a story about identity. That's how the movie failed, even though the movie was trying to do that. Um, But it's like, I don't want anybody to try to capture the 80s Gem. I I will give to the credit, we, we were talking about Ninja Turtles again. In all the different Ninja Turtles canon, the 80s cartoon was actually the everybody left behind the most. That was like, every time it got remade, for some reason, the 80s cartoon canon was always left out because it was considered the weirdest. Huh. Those live-action movies are like 80s cartoon canon. They have Rocksteady and Bebop, they have yeah. Krang, and they're, they're really trying to capture that cartoon, which was kind of lost to time, yeah. even though it was really mm-hmm. influential. Everybody was like... Well, that was the 80s. But part of the way that they're doing it in the new movies is they're because there's an 80s renaissance right now right. actually happening. Right. That this was the perfect time to be like, oh, these people are being like 80s retro on purpose. Right. Like, it's weird, but it's very hard to pull that off. Like the, the the new like TV cartoon for Ninja Turtles? I haven't. I really should. Yeah. I heard it's really good. Yeah, I'm really curious. Good. I mean, I know a lot of people who work on it, for one thing. So mm. um, I've been meaning to see it. All my Turtles friends say it's, it's mm. ex- an excellent okay. version. Yeah. That's good. That's I, I happen to really like the 2005, 2007 version. I really liked Fast Forward when they went to the future. I know nobody liked that series, but I was like fucking 
really into the series. That existed, so yeah, they have a robot <laughs> butler that like Raphael is always giving a hard time and nice. Yeah, they have, they because in the future aliens have like you know the human aliens landed on Earth. They okay. can just walk around. They look like everybody else who's aliens on the streets. So they're not in hiding anymore. Okay. Plus their weapons are like updated and they have like oh, force okay. fields and stuff. They're trying to get back in the past. Uh huh. But it's great. Like the function they're hanging out with like Casey Jones and April's great 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 grandnephew. Oh. And an evil overlord and a robot butler. It's yeah. like a great series of Ninja Turtles. <laughs> it's everything that I go to Ninja Turtles. It's like, yes, I'm 100% on board. So even the, the quote-unquote bad series, the series, like, like you're looking at me right like, now, like, does that exist? That yeah. sounds like, like you made that up. That's a fever dream of right, yours. Well, but we all know that the very best Ninja Turtles thing is Turtles Forever. Yes. Oh, that's a really good point. Okay. <laughs> There is a movie called Turtles Forever, which almost nobody's heard about for some reason, where the 2005 Ninja Turtles open a portal to the 1980s Ninja Turtles, and they're all in the same movie. Oh my god. And they're like, why do you, why are you guys all tiny and like weird looking? Why do you keep looking at the camera? And they're basically making fun of sort of the 80s version. And the 80s version is like, why are you guys so angry all the time? Also, I made this like flux capacitor out of a flashlight. <laughs> and like, but then they end up getting sucked into another wormhole where they go to the original comic. Again, this sounds like a fever dream. This is a real movie. <laughs> like an- they animated it like maybe five years ago and yeah. they were showing clips at like Comic Con and people were losing their shit. Wow. And you should look it up. Turtles Yeah, it's, it's a really good time. Yeah. Wow. The, the plot has to do with the different because ver- it's always multi-dimensional yeah, stuff. Sure. Ninja Turtles. So it's like all the Ninja Turtle dimensions are around and a bunch of them run into each other. And then it's just like a bunch of shredders like trying to kill each other. And just, yeah. it's the, the Shredder who's thing. like a little space squid versus a Shredder who's just like an angry guy with like spikes. metal spikes and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So great. So Space squid. God, we came back to Ninja Turtles. I'm really sorry. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest. We could just talk about Ninja Turtles for a long time. We didn't really talk about Avatar. We didn't really talk about Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably should because like... Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about something that's a direct like manga anime, anime influence. influence. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, again, working at a company that's heavily inspired by, like, both a Japanese publishing model and then kind of a Japanese aesthetic, like, the thing that I'm always super concerned about is accusations of cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. And I think we've got a million ways that we can defend ourselves against anyone (laughs) who kind of goes at us with that. But it's great that Avatar kind of covered that in advance and like Mm -hmm. to be inspired by Asian art and Asian countries so directly, but handling it so respectfully and just doing such interesting things, both with like having a balance of male and female cast members and like representing people with disabilities in interesting ways. And then when you get to Korra, having sort of queer themes starting to kind of come into the narrative. Oh, and the people behind Um, the camera too, like the actual people who are writing and animating and stuff, you know, not just having like a board of white guys doing it, you know? Right. That was really a game changer. And it's kind of amazing that it's been 10 years since that started airing and just to see how things have changed so much kind of along with that. And again, I think the generation of kids who grew up watching that as opposed to Pokemon are going to be a new wave of kind of really interesting creative talent 10, 15 years from now. I think that's really exciting. That that was a thing that happened, that it managed to hang on in spite of like network pressure for as, as mm-hmm. long as it did, that it got such a cool update with Korra that I definitely had a lot of problems with, but at least like it was super ambitious. Like yeah. What they were going for with that I thought was really, really impressive even if it didn't always succeed along the way. It's um, continuing in comic form now, too. Yeah, which I'm excited to read. Yeah, congrats. Well done, guys. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you, because I think the, the appropriation question is really important to have. Like, or, yeah. or rather, the, the discussion is very important. It's obviously something... Like, I don't want to say that we just thought about this because we were trying to defend ourselves, but, you know, it's something that we've always dealt with as right. Westerners dealing in. We all worked in the manga industry for many years. Right. The translated manga industry, rather, until, before we did Sparkler, so it, it's something <laughs> that we've been addressing. I mean, it's um, something I've been addressing literally since I started at Tokyo Pop, because the second we were like, we're going to make a manga, you know, done by Western people, there was all this, like, eh, it's not real manga, and what yeah, are you doing? Yeah. And you're like, oh my god. But you're right that sort of Avatar became kind of the gold standard for how to like this is a perfect like hybrid mix of cultures that's respectful and acknowledges and, and that this is kind of how sources you it, right? in an interesting way so. yeah and, and i think that I, I feel like cora had maybe even more it's hard to describe but like avatar still felt like a western cartoon a little bit more to me uh-huh. whereas cora started to feel like now i started seeing the anime influence even stronger because mostly because 
Avatar was about kids. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a much darker story. So like, yeah. just the fact that they age it up by, mm. are they 10 years older than? I don't, I don't think quite. I think quite at least five. Older. They but went from sort of like years. 10, 11 year olds to right. like sexy teenagers who want to yeah. have sex with each other. And that's kind of actually was one of its biggest weaknesses, that the sexual dynamics in the beginning were bad. Yeah, it was the just, first they, they kind of couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with that. And yeah. Then, yeah. It was a little too short to really get into it the way it sort of needed to, and, and but just I love that, and like that's a particularly interesting aesthetic for me, just personally as well. It's like I love that kind of nineteen twenties Asian modern fusion aesthetic. Like even mm-hmm. just in like Japanese art, I love what's called the sort of Taisho period. Oh, Taisho, Taisho. It's the best. Um, it's just really an interesting time period, like politically and artistically and kind of culturally. And seeing that influence kind of come out in Korra, I thought was super mm-hmm. cool. And obviously, so, though, by the end with the sort of the the gay ending, <laughs> right, 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 yeah, right. which is. Uh, really important. I mean, like, unfortunately, yeah. at that point, it had kind of been taken off TV. I mean, maybe that's why they were allowed to have Cora end with a woman, you to know? Some, yeah, mm. I mean, I think, I think it was a little, you know, Steven Universe is obviously, like, really playing those cards now, yeah. too, but I don't think that would exist if Cora didn't exist. I agree, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's, it's nice to see all of these different shows being able to take another step. And, yeah, and yeah. Because there was a whole Adventure Time thing, which, I mean, right. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the creators really wanted Marceline and uh, uh, Princess Bubblegum Bubble Bubble yeah. to be a thing, but uh-huh. they had to, like, cut out most of the overt stuff and, yeah, and just, right. you know, because th- there are definitely, like, undertones to their relationship. Yeah, right. I, I thought but, that was canon. Like, I yeah. feel somebody asked them that. Like, yeah, I it is, it is canon, but I think the confirm. creators wanted to go more overt with it, but they weren't really allowed to. Yeah. They might in later seasons. I would Yeah, it's actually, apparently in that case, it's a big problem with international distribution so which which is true in a lot of hollywood these days it's Mm -hmm. not just what the home audience is going to accept it's that they sell this stuff overseas as well yeah and so you have to kind of be careful of things in that regard as well (laughs) steven Um, universe is really good at ducking and weaving with that like it's like really queer but it's almost like i wonder if they've kind of aren't that interested in foreign audiences though if it's because it's so kind of odd if it's just not getting ported at well, though I guess I, I mean know they're, it's getting they're ported human, in Europe for sure. They're less humanoid than some of the other, you know. Like okay, maybe yeah, not. They more. literally have like two rock girls basically, yeah, making each out. other. Yeah, so. <laughs> so now, now I'm comparing it to like Princess like, Bubblegum and Marceline are baseball, kind of which is weird looking. Amazing. I don't know if you've seen the baseball episode yet, but no, I've seen oh it. I've seen God. it on Tumblr through gifts. It's priceless. <laughs> yeah. It is unbelievably. I mean, especially because I love sports anime to begin with. So yeah. it's like sports anime plus two lady rocks flirting with each other on the baseball diamond. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's awesome. I'm so glad this this exists <laughs> and I can watch it. I mean, a lot of these things you can talk about general trends, but there's always a show that slips under the radar, you know. Yeah, um, I'm actually really curious. I mean, the the, the party line in, in like Hollywood animation for so long has been that you need to sell toys, and that was the '80s. Yeah, they well, it's the... still. I mean, it was true up through at least you know five years ago because that's why Green Lantern got canceled is because too many girls were into it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, with uh, Young Justice is my understanding. It's like too many girls were into it and they didn't think girls would buy toys, and so mm-hmm. they were like, "We need to." Not that they this. ever sold toys to girls. It's weird because right. like action figures were sp- in the eighties were specifically made because they wanted to sell dolls to boys because girls right. buys dolls. Right, girls buy dolls. So. Why would you possibly think that girls would not buy a doll? Right. I've actually read a thing about it. It's not even so much that that it was because they thought it was like poaching their own audience. Like there's only a certain amount of money per kid. Right. And they wanted the girls to go buy the princess stuff. They want to buy different dolls. Yeah. So So it's become this like gender segment. See, that makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, so like. It's fucked up, but it makes sense. (laughs) In like a, you know, capitalistic crazy market. Yeah, because Disney makes like all their movie from all their money from the princess line, right? Right. But uh Adventure Time started to show that people would buy other sorts of merchandise other than dolls. So like whether mm-hmm. it's t shirts or comics or God only knows what. And so that when I'm watching Voltron I'm thinking like, how are they gonna fund a season two of this? Like obviously Netflix has a good amount of money to burn and will mm. just like <laughs> throw shit at the wall. But like are there going to be Voltron t-shirts? Are there going to be Voltron action figures? Like, I'm really kind of intrigued I by mean, that. I like, there hasn't been for Steven Universe. Like, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of, like, fashion merch mm-hmm. um, and comics, but, like, there could be so much more. Like, I, I see so much cool, like, fan art for that out. Yeah. Posters and prints, and I have a really cool t-shirt that I got from somebody in Artist Alley. Like, I want there to be a lot more of that, and it kind of hasn't 
Kind yeah. of well, Steven I mean, Universe, I think, has been on the chopping block for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's got a really weird release schedule. So, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what its role is in. I think it's Cartoon Network lineup. I mean, I've actually started yeah. buying the episodes through Amazon because of that. But I'm like, yeah, why don't they just make little it's little you why know, don't they try? plastic dolls? Because I would buy a whole fucking set of those. Mm-hmm. So and then line them up on my. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the, the people who are making that decision are not taking your demographic into account or the demographic of all the people who are doing the fan art. You but know what I mean? Which makes a good point be, that Adventure I mean, Time kind of did though. Mm-hmm. Like, because I remember, like you were saying, like the Adventure Time shirts and the merch, and like yeah. you could buy headphones mm-hmm. that had like Finn's head on them yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I was I like, mean, these are definitely old. Like I would think that like, yeah, like sending Steven Universe to Hot Topic would work. Is people in their twenties and thirties? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and are there people watching cartoons? Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it's part of, partly though. If you're working at a company that has always sold stuff to kids and has yeah. all the channels in 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 place to sell stuff to kids, all of a sudden selling stuff to adults is tricky, and that's like the hot no, topic you're thing. Right, you know, that's like the channels is an issue. Yeah. So even if they know that that's where their audience is, figuring out how to get to that audience yeah. is a real challenge. <laughs> yeah. Hot topic is your only place. I mean, hot topic. I mean, that's, yeah, that's like the thing. Hot topic. hot topic actually has done that more than anyone else and I can fan think conventions. of. It's like hot topic and fan conventions mm-hmm. is basically it. I think Voltron's so. going to have robots, toys. Well, the thing about Voltron is that, like, I mean, sure, it probably costs some money, but, I mean, nothing compared to all the other Netflix shows, and I have no idea how yeah. any of these Netflix shows are making money. Like, That's a good point. I'm sure they've got some model, but... Yeah, it's going to be, like, it's not like animation's cheap, particularly animation like that. But yeah, but less is. so than, like, right. you know, Jessica Jones or, Orange like, is the new Orange Black. is the New Black, you know, yeah. any of these things that have, like, a ton of live-action actors. Right. And, you know, sets point. and things. I mean, some of them, the, the actors are getting so big that they're really expensive. Like, House of Cards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that I know was like, that must have been at least partially financed by Kevin Spacey in the beginning. So, maybe it's kind of, because it was sort of part of that initial experiment. But you're right about, mm-hmm. like, nobody in Orange is the New Black was famous until Orange is the New Black. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and now they are. They should hopefully be getting compensated accordingly. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I just, I mean, I don't quite get how Netflix turns its subscribers who are all paying the same amount of money watching Orange is the New Black into right. money for Orange is the New Black. So, right. yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm right. sure they have something that works, but, mm. you know. Well, I would like five tiny robots that I can cram together into one bigger robot that I can then throw at my brother, even at this age. Like, <laughs> so, if they come out with it. I might yeah. buy some lines. <laughs> like, I don't even like toys, but, like, I just, I love the, them. It's like the whole Transformers thing. I love they they transform and turn into something bigger. I, just, it's just I want neat. little vinyl figures of them posing in, like, really, like, Sentai, you know, like, dumb. Oh, and then just cram them together like they're having sex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not going to do that, no. Leanne. <laughs> That's what Leanne does I mean, baby. Friday nights. <laughs> There's a reason I don't buy figurines, because I'd get, like, really weird with them. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was little, I used to, you know, play things, and I feel like as an adult, I'd be like, I'm going to play this ironically, and then I would just, so it would become unironic after all, and I'm playing with these stupid toys. There's so toys. many, like, weird signs from my childhood that I was going to be a crazy fangirl when I got older, so, like, one of which was that... Like, it always really upset me that Frodo and Sam didn't get married at the end of Lord of the Rings. I was like, fuck, he's supposed to be with Master Frodo for the rest of his life. Why is he off with, like, Goldie What's-Her-Face? But uh, the other thing is that when I was in probably middle school, this is when I was really into Excalibur and, like, Western Mm -hmm. comics. I don't even know where we got this from, but my mom got me a set of, like, really nice, like, multicolored beeswax for modeling. Hmm. Um, and I basically made myself an entire set of, like, the Excalibur cast in wax form. Wow. Um, so I had, like, my own little action figures that I'd made that kind of sat on a lamp in the TV So did you make room. them all have sex with these? <laughs> I did not. Well, because they were, I mean, my parents were sitting there watching me make uh, them, so I couldn't really make them have sex with mm. each other, but... Um, but they definitely were sitting on display for a long time, and I was like, "The this less was realistic, the setting better." Setting me up for buying shit tons of gashapon the first time yeah. I went to Japan because, <laughs> like, the Japanese had made my childhood fantasy a reality that I could yeah. buy for like a buck fifty, and it was yeah. the best thing ever. Japan so. is really good at like making fandom, like getting money out of fandom feels, <laughs> monetizing mm. fandom feels. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, probably on that note. 
of making your own action figures when the patriarchal market yeah. won't make it for you. <laughs> I, I love it, Lillian. Thank you very much for joining us. And um, go watch yeah. some cartoons. Go, Tell go us watch your some favorite cartoons. cartoons. Yeah, don't don't be ashamed of watching cartoons. They're they're awesome now. I mean, yeah. like this is the thing. All these shows we're talking yeah. about. They're if you're an adult and watch them, you're like, this is really well done, and I'm emotionally invested. And I don't mm-hmm. have the attention span for anything longer than thirty minutes anymore. So like an episode of High Q is like the perfect thing to watch while I'm eating dinner, and then I go back and do more work. Yeah. So. It's very soothing in a lot of ways, you know, because yeah. it feels like, even if it's something that's new and better than things from your childhood, it still has that thread that feels like something from your childhood. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. like kind of a yeah. a nice element of, you know, just soothingness to it. It's comfort yeah. food. It's, yeah. It's like yeah. chicken soup for the anime soul. Thanks, America. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, that, that, yeah. that feeling of I can get up late and then eat cereal and watch, well, don't watch Ren and Stimpy, but I used yeah, to watch it's gonna Ren be like, and Stimpy. It's not for me children. since I couldn't watch commercial TV. It would be get up, eat breakfast, watch the frugal gourmet, and then watch a bunch of Bob Ross <laughs> painting happy trees. <laughs> Poor Lillian. Oh my gosh. I know. I think about childhood. all the garbage I consumed at that age. Like oh, Inspector yeah. Gadget. Actually, and, like, oh, really God. I had a set of Rocky and Bullwinkle videos as well that I watched obsessively uh-huh. when I was a mm-hmm. kid. So Those also, are like, really weird. Oh, they are. Very odd. This yeah. got this, like, 1950s sort of gender politics. Mm-hmm. Um, thrown in with a lot of very, like, high-level puns and, like, literary <laughs> references that I didn't get until, like, 15 years later. Yeah. So. I like Beanie and Cecil and some yeah. of those, like, really old uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Yeah. Uh, doing all their little history stuff. Yeah. So. That was a creepier time. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Go enjoy some cartoons. Bye. 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 Bye.